Hello, and welcome to Back Issue Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about an older comic book storyline. In this back issue spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to be discussing The Lightning Saga, which took place in the summer of 2007 in the Justice Society of America numbers 8, 9, and 10, and Justice Society of America number 5 and 6, with the chapters alternating between the two titles of the Justice League of America and the Justice Society of America. James, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you doing, John? I am doing well. Now, I read this, as I'm sure you did too, about a week ago for the book club. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but then, due to circumstances beyond our control, the book club got pushed back. Yes, yeah, so the book club will be two days after we're recording this. <laughs> yes. And this story is, is kind of interesting because it's an intersection of a number of things that really makes it seem like I should have just loved this Six Ways to Sunday. And I liked it. I'm not going to say I loved it. It's, it's part of it's written by Jeff Johns, the JSA yes. part of it. Brad Meltzer's doing the JLA part of it. It's got the Legion. Yep. It's a JLA-JSA crossover. Really the first real one for the most part, maybe the second real one, since they stopped doing them back in 1985. I mean, there was the Crisis Times 5 storyline in 1999, but I didn't love that, so I don't always count that. And I I enjoyed the two teams gathering for Thanksgiving in 2004, but it wasn't the standard JLA-JSA adventure. This was. Yeah. This was a huge cast of characters. Yes. And there is a ton of DC continuity bits just kind of orbiting this storyline. Yeah, I felt it. (laughs) And, okay, so I read it when it came out. I read it again last week for the book club. I got curious about a few things since then, so I did a little digging. And then last night, it's like, you know, I've got a little bit of time. It's been a week since I've read it. We're going to record on it. And since we hadn't talked about it with the book club and gone through it then, it's like, I'll reread it. And I went down a couple of rabbit holes because I got curious about a few other things. So I did some digging as part of this because it's like, so so how does this part of the story look or work or where was this character at this time? And there's a lot to get lost in here. There really, I felt it because I was reading this and I, although I, I'm not going to say it's a bad story, it was for me a confusing story because I didn't know what in the heck's going on. And it was a little bit hard to get my bearings with and, and I was using Wikipedia as like my crutch to kind of figure out, okay, who's this character? Who's this character? Because it's a lot of those, you know, people from teams that you don't normally see, you don't normally read in the monthly books. And so I'm just getting exposed to the Karate Kid, you know, or like, I mean, even though you know him from the Legion, I haven't read him very much. And my Legion was Bendis, and he didn't really go in depth in the Karate Kid. So it's just. And then figuring out what happened to this lightning lad guy. Why are these people holding, you know, magic wands? I was, like, confused. Well, this reads differently today than it did back when it was coming out. I imagine so. Because this probably had a lot of stuff that led up to what's going on here. It did, but it also had a couple of things flying directly in the face of it. Oh, okay. Because concurrent with this storyline, Supergirl was hanging out with a different Legion, the Wade Kitson version, over in Supergirl and the Legion of Superheroes. That's funny. <laughs> now, that Legion, or that Supergirl and the Legion story had been named Legion of Superheroes before, got renamed back to the Legion of Superheroes afterwards, and that volume of about 50 issues ended around the time of Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. Wow. Okay. And they were one of the Legions of Three Worlds. Okay. This is another Legion of Three Worlds. Wow. And part of this got me going over the weekend of, okay, I, I need to fill in a couple of things, because I got this huge Excel file that I used to put together my Legion reading list. Okay, when did continuities kind of flip over from one to the other? And I've gotten to where it's like, okay, we've got the original Legion, we got the five years later version, which is still the original Legion, but they did a five-year jump. And continuity-wise, tone-wise, it's fairly different. But then we get a reboot, and then we get what was known as the three-boot, because they rebooted it yet again, (laughs) which I'm pretty sure is the Wade Kitson version. Okay. Then we've got the retro-boot, which this is more or less the start of, 
I say more or less because I'm not sure if a few of these characters, well, technically, a Starman had been okay. a member of the JSA for a few issues already. So that is kind of the, the prelude of it in the, the real start of the retro boot. But that coincided with the, the three boot Legion for like a two year period. Interesting. Confusing. Very confusing. I mean, you, you said all that, and I'm just like, I, I had no clue there was different legions. I thought the legion was the legion and maybe different characters. You know, kind of like we have the Justice League. You know, you have Justice Leaguers, but the team, or, or the Avengers, the team roster changes up. I didn't know there was literally th- different legions, and I, that just blows my mind. So I'm like, oh my gosh. For the Avengers, let's take that as an example. Okay. You're familiar with the Heroes Reborn era where they kicked it over to essentially to Image Guys to write it for a year, right? Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That's a different Avengers. That's true. Yeah, very true. Now, take that for more than a year and, you know, do a false start or two here and there. You've got between just what we've talked about so far, the original Legion, the reboot at the end of, I think, Zero Hour, the three boot that came at the, and I'd have to go check my notes as to when that came in. But the Wade Kitson version, which I think was after the a Titans Legion crossover or one shot or something like that. Then we've got this with the retro boot, and then later we get the Bendis Legion. It does get confusing. It really does. I found myself reading this, and it, it it's not that the story's not good, but just being utterly confused. And that's just because of my lack of knowledge of this stuff, and I don't even know where to go to look. Like if you I didn't know that there was the three different versions, and I, I didn't know to even look for that. So yeah, I was looking at it, I was just trying to research who's this character, who's this character, and just kind of roll with the punches. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, this this story was over my head for my level of DC knowledge. Well, and, and, and like I said, not a bad story, it's just, it's over my head, and so it's not something I would say for me, is like, wow, this is this is great. It's more like, okay, I can see what they're doing here, I can, it's a good story, let's bring this guy back, but I don't feel like the affinity and care for these characters because I'm confused the whole time. <laughs> well, and part of it with this is two writers telling the story, alternating yeah, issues. that's true. And not all of the story is told here and not all of what's here is, is told here, if that makes sense. In other words, yeah. that scene at the beginning of Justice League of America number eight where Batman yeah. and Karate Kid are fighting in the Batcave. Yeah, I was like, okay, what's going on here? <laughs> that was also shown over in Countdown number 50. Oh, okay. And not oh. the exact same way. We see a little bit more there than here. Okay, all right. And I'm like, okay, so you're playing into the big picture here, and there's a lot of things flowing into this story, because it's not the singular window into this world. They've got a very shared universe aspect going. And at first, I'm like, okay, I don't think, it, I, I don't remember where continuity is at at this point. I always have a hard time with that when diving into back issues. So, like, how is the back computer able to identify Karate Kid? Page one, first question, boom. You got to explain this to me, okay? Page two, oh, the Fortress computer told it. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. All right, cool. <laughs> now, of course, it then says Karate Kid's a, what, 15th level fighter, and Batman's like a 12th, and Batman defeats Karate Kid? I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that. That doesn't make sense. He should have lost. <laughs> Karate Kid's entrance into the Legion, not that I've gotten to that yet in the the Legion spotlights yet, I'm not even sure how many years away from that I am in terms of output, but he basically fought Superboy and, I forget if it was Ultra Boy or somebody else, uh, to a standstill or whatever, at the same time. Now, Karate Kid, when did he come about? Do you know what year? I'll I'll have to look it up. I want to say, I want to say 67, but I honestly don't know off the top of my head. Okay, all right, so it wasn't aping off the movie. He was out way oh, before no, no, the movie no, no. came out. <laughs> the movie got permission from DC to use the title. Oh, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I just pulled it up, 1966. So, yeah, that was a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. And he had his own 15-issue run in 1975, I want to say, where he was in the 20th century and such. Yeah. You know, it's something that, it, that just runs by me, I know these characters, they have these unique names, let's say. You know, Lightning Lad, let's just pick on him, mm-hmm. or, or or whatever Lass. You know, there's Lasses and Lads and Boys, like Superboy. It's it's almost like an archaic thing from back in the 50s and 60s, you know, that we don't we don't call anyone a Lass or a Lad anymore. I, I'm surprised that they haven't aged him up a little bit, and you know, like, or, or gotten rid of that moniker. <laughs> well, remember how you don't know about these other reboots? 
Yeah, oh, that's where they did it. <laughs> in one of them, they completely did that. It's Live Wire instead of Lightning Lad. It's, oh! You know, and they did all kinds of stuff like that. Triad instead of Triplicate Girl. So they took my idea and ran with it. All right, cool. <laughs> and then there was, in one of the other ones, and I forget if it was the Wade Kitson run, where they were intentionally going for the archaic aspect because okay. they were inspired by comic books. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So they're going for the power kid, boy, girl, last lad sort of a name. Yeah, I, I mean, it's cool. It's retro. You can tell the characters have been around for a while just with mm-hmm. the names, you know? And so I, it's just today, you know, if I told a kid, lightning lad, they're going to look at you like kind of weird, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, but there's an aspect of it where you got to go with, again, where this stuff originated from. And yeah. I've seen a few things. I think it was when Invincible crossed over with, I forget if it was the X-Men or the Avengers, one of them. And he's he's guessing at people's names after he got one or two of them. And it's like, okay, you're Clawman talking to, to Wolverine, and you know, Clawman, <laughs> Flagman for Captain America, and stuff like that. And again, just making fun of of the naming convention. Yeah, <laughs> you can sometimes tell when a character was created by the name it's got. It's true. Yeah, it, it, it's very true. You you can kind of nail it sometimes. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a few other things in this first part of the story, like when we have that one page at the the Mount Sinai Hospital, where some stuff's going on with this uh, Dolores and and all of this, and it's like, it's a one-page thing, and it had very little to do with the story. Yeah, very little. I think that plays out over in a completely different title later. Okay, I I was wondering where that was going, and we, we got to see this, and then it didn't go anywhere, so... I figured there was more to it. I didn't know if it was in later issues, but I guess it's in a different book completely. I think it plays out over in All New Booster Gold, maybe. But I, again, I read this stuff back when it came out, closing in on, on you know, 15, 20 years ago now. Which makes sense. I mean, it, it, the pros and cons of having an interconnected universe of comics. Yeah. The pro, the pro is if you're reading actively and currently, uh, it makes sense. And you reading this back in you know, the night or 2007, let's say, yeah, you would, you would have known because you picked up that booster gold and you read it. You reading it now, you're like, where, where in the hell did this happen? <laughs> well, and that's where a lot of my rabbit holing went the last couple of days of, okay, we're doing this, but where was this character at? What's going on here? And, and some stuff like that, which when you're in the moment and it's like, oh, this was set up a few issues before it plays out a few issues later, you get it in the course of things, but coming yeah. into a five-issue story like this, it's like, okay, what's going on with, with, you know, who are these other characters? We get a scene a few issues later that has them, and it's like, okay, I recognize them. I know where this is going already, just from one of the name drops. But if you don't have that background, if you don't know what's going on, it seems like a wasted page here. Yeah, I, I was reading stuff in here, and I was, that's where I was. I was like, why is this here? What? It seems like it didn't have anything to do with what's going on in the book. And I'm like, okay. And I, I just kind of skimmed it. I'm like, am I am I not smart enough? What, what, what am I missing here? <laughs> it's never a question of are you smart enough. It's a question of is the story accessible enough and did the writer do a good enough job? Yeah. And, you know, I try to put myself back in history, back in history. If I was reading a lot of DC books, it probably would have made sense. Just reading it now, I'm just like, uh, it just seemed a little bit choppy, you know, choppy, like bits and pieces happening that were never they never went anywhere. I'm like, okay, all right. I just went with it. Yes and no, because even reading that back in the day, this was a legion we hadn't seen in, depending how you cut it, 20 years. Wow. So that's, okay, that makes sense. Now, when we get near the end of this, and it's Karate Kid's a legionnaire, we can track the flight rings. Yeah. And there's a question, or there's a statement that Superman has two flight rings. I mean, there's more in the present day than they had expected. Yeah. Superman's got two, Supergirl's got one, Phil Drox has one, Booster has one, and I'm like, okay, Superman, when and how did he get two? (laughs) Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. It it just kind of was there, but I don't know why or how. (laughs) I would have liked a little explanation on that. Yep. Vril Dox having one at all, there's a a Legion title with all periods because it's an acronym. You know, legal enforcement, I forget what the hell it stands for. But he was essentially Brainiac 2, and he led that group. And I don't know how, when, or why he would have had a a Legion flight ring at all. Oh, okay. So I would have liked an explanation on that. And Supergirl, at this point, 
I thought she was still in the future with the Legion, but she may have gotten back to the past. Actually, she got back to the past in time for the World War III part of 52, which would have been before Countdown. So she would have had the flight ring from her recent stay in the Legion, which would have been a different Legion than this Karate Kid's Legion. Yeah, very interesting. Or weird. Well, ergo, it ought to be a different flight ring. Yeah. I I thought it was really weird. Like, there was a lot of just bizarre things in here to me that I was just like, I was trying to go with it, but I'm like, it didn't make sense to me. Because, like, when they're in the Fortress of Solitude and, you know, I'm looking at the the thing now. It's a JSA, the second one. The the first one. It's number five. I'm sorry, the first one. The second book in the series. But so they're looking at this whole like layout, which is kind of cool, showing you all the Legion of Superheroes. Oh, yeah, I love that two-page splash. Yeah, it was really cool. And I really liked the girl they revealed at the end of this. Or at the end of... I, actually, she was at the end of the third book, which was uh, Justice League of America. But this is where they found Wildfire, and he was basically up there like a statue. And I'm like, how long has this guy been in the... Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> like, what, he was like frozen there. It, w- it was just so bizarre. I'm confused how this Legion traveled back in time. We see some of it at the end of the story. Yeah. It's not a time bubble, which they typically used. There's mention of, oh, you're going to lose your memory and all that stuff. And I'm like, that happened once in a blue moon in, in the old stories. But there were reasons for that. Yeah. And then when I got to that two page splash, which is uh, beautiful stuff, I mean. Yeah. We've got all these life-size statues and such, and and they they played uh, an interesting bit here. If each character was in a costume from an adventure they wanted Superman to remember them from. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool. And I, I didn't know who most of the characters were, but I know you did. But it was kind of cool seeing them there, and uh, I, you know, I can make out most of the names. Well, it got around the fact that this is not one lineup in time of the Legion. Yeah, they're from all over the time. Well, the costumes are from in the past. Yeah. So somebody may be wearing an outdated costume because of a fond memory or whatnot. Superman liked them because of maybe an adventure they went on. Who knows? Something. But at least two of the characters were should have been dead at the time he claimed to have gotten these statues, which would have been shortly before or around the time of Crisis on Infinite Earths. Okay. And one of the particular members... The third one in the back, uh, Polar Boy, next to Dawnstar with the Wings. Okay. Him being a member dates this at a particular point, and there are a few other Legionnaires who joined the exact same time as him that are not here. Oh, okay, okay. And it's interesting because those tend to be the more alien members. All right, all right. By the way, I really like Dawnstar. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's cool. Yeah, I liked her. It, now, who is that huge guy next to Dawnstar? Because I would be totally into that guy, and I have no clue who he is. That's and I've Block. never seen him. Block! Okay. <laughs> I was looking at him like Bad Rock from uh, Young Blood. Oh, is Bad Rock is very much of his ilk. Okay. <laughs> this guy's I mean, personality was a bit different. Both are essentially, let's do a riff on the thing. Yeah, and, and that's a character I love. You know, yeah. I, As soon as I saw this lineup, I'm like, that's my dude back there. <laughs> I mean, there's there's a ton of fun stuff here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I, these are cool characters. You just never see them, or I never see them. Yeah, it, yeah. Well, and some of them hadn't been seen in ages. There's a couple other characters that could have been included here that were not, because either they died or something like that. Yeah. But what was interesting at the time is, again, this was not the Legion being featured in the Legion title. So weird, yeah. <laughs> so we're getting back kind of, sort of, but not quite the original Legion. Yeah, and and then you get that really weird thing where basically that guy, Wildfire, has been standing there wearing a ring, almost like frozen, like like he's a statue. I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> well, and Batman makes a comment on that. If these things weren't by accident, this was like somebody trying to do your worst nightmare. And I don't know that they ever really explain that stuff. And how they got back here, there was some, some talk about some mental blocks for some particular reason. Well, again... You need the code word of Lightning Lad to 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 kind of w- awaken them. Yeah, and we we don't know how they got here, but both the Justice Society and Justice League are on the hunt for them. We got to find them and find out why they're here, and and that's essentially what's been going on. Well, yeah, the whole thing is once we've got Lightning Lad or not Lightning Karate Kid, and Karate Kid says there are others. Okay, we got to find him. Figure out how to track the flight rings. Go chase them down. 
split the teams and go have multiple adventures. Again, standard JLA, JSA team-up type stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, like, Batman and a group go over to Arkham, Stargirl, Cyclone, Red Tornado, and Superman go to the Fortress. I liked the the little bit between, you know, Stargirl encouraging Cyclone to go talk to Red Tornado. Yeah. Because he is from Earth, well, I was going to say he is from Earth 2, but at this point, the Earth 2, I don't think, really exists anymore. Originally, back in the day when there was the multiverse, he was from Earth 2. Cyclone is the granddaughter of Ma Hunkle. Ma Hunkle was the original Red Tornado, and I put air quotes around that, uh, pardon that pun too, uh, depending how you count it, because at one point, Red Tornado, this android guy, got Ma Hunkle's memories because it was all a plot to infiltrate the JSA and all this kind of a stuff. He wound up moving to Earth-1, joining the JLA, etc. If you read his Wikipedia page, almost every other paragraph ends up with, and he was destroyed, and then he was rebuilt, and then he was destroyed, and he was rebuilt, and then he was destroyed. It's like, good lord. (laughs) Poor guy. (laughs) And I went down that rabbit hole because I was trying to figure out because she made a comment of, you know, it's hard being human, and he's like, yeah, I was human long enough to understand that. And I'm like, whoa, hang on. Is he human now? When was he human? What's going on here? A few issues prior to this, he had been in a human body, thanks to Felix Faust posing as dead man. All of this from a plot from an intelligent Solomon Grundy. And it's like, okay, there's this whole continuity bit going on just with Red Tornado that's kind of an aside there. Yeah. And it gets even more confusing because his body is what Wildfire is in. That, yeah, it, it, it's very weird. Very, very weird. And I, I, that didn't make any sense. Yeah, that was a comment that was made in, I think, the, the next Justice League issue. And I'm like, wait, which body? Human or android? What's going on? That's not how Wildfire works. I'm confused. And this is where having the backstory of the continuity doesn't make this any easier. That that's okay. So I'm not a moron. <laughs> no. Because okay, because I'm reading it and and my feeling. Uh, you, okay, you know I'm the DC light, and everyone, all the listeners know I'm the DC light guy. I, I got into it at Rebirth, so I'm re- reading it and I'm just in utter confusion. I'm like, man, we got this cast of characters. I, I don't see them. I like, what is going on? And then you're confused, even with all the continuity going back here, trying to figure out what in the hell's going on and why they're doing this and why it's being set up this way. So this is just a story of mass confusion. And, and, but we're reading it. The, the, the goal of this, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, was because our book club, we wanted to work up to Final Crisis, the Legion of Three Worlds. Yes. And we wanted to do this, and then we wanted to do Superman and the Legion as the yes. next book club. Which I think all- you'll like a lot better. Okay, good. Because it's built up to Final Crisis. And when I read this, I was horrified. I'm like, man, this is a path I don't want to go down. (laughs) I knew this was going to be the weakest of the three. Okay, good. And I knew Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds runs the risk of your head exploding. Just because here you got this two-page splash of, what, 20, 30 characters. That's not all of this Legion. Yeah, it's just, uh, I figured that was a sampling. And we got two other Legions to come. And I'm not going to know who anyone is. <laughs> and now each one of the legions, is it different iterations of the characters or is it literally different characters? Yes. Oh, I'm not, I'm not sure how to answer that question because yes there, and yes and yes. <laughs> there is a lightning lad of sorts in each one. In one, he's called Livewire. Most he's called Lightning Lad. Sometimes he looks pretty much like this, like in the Bendis one, not so much. So you coming in as a longtime DC guy reading this stuff, who is your lightning lad? This one. Well, let me rephrase. Okay. The one that this one is based on, because I do not consider this to be the exact same Legion we left off with, because they're kind of claiming this is the one from around the time of Crisis. Okay. And the Legion kept going after Crisis. It had to rework some backstory, because no Superboy and such, but okay. But that original version of the Legion is kind of what I I fall back to. Okay. All right. Cool. Now, I cut it off around the time of five years later because they did horrendous things to the book, in my mind. And as much as I liked some of the the reboot stuff that was done and the, the tone, the style in, in, of that, and I loved some of what Mark Wade and Barry Kitson did with the three-boot version and such, those are derivative of the original characters. Okay. Uh, th- that makes sense. Okay. And, and now I'm curious... I don't know how much Legion I'm going to be reading. There's not even a Legion book for me to read right now that's coming out. 
But if I get one, I'm curious what I'm going to get, and I'm curious if I'm going to like it, and I'm curious what version I will get. You know, I'm just, these are all things that are unknown right now because I don't know what I'm going to be served up to me when they relaunch a Legion book, which seems kind of inevitable that there's a lot of people asking for it. Yes, I think they're going to do one. It's just a question of which version. And I expect Jeff Johns to go down a similar road as he was doing here of trying to get the, the more classic version back. Yeah, and I would agree with you based on that book with all the new characters. What For the life of me, I can't remember that he just wrote the little miniseries. Stargirl and the Lost Children. Yeah, the Lost Children. He made them so golden age and so retro that they seemed like they would fit in with the original Legion. Well, and there was a character at the end of Flashpoint Beyond of the Golden Age Legionnaire. Yep. Yeah. So like, he, I want to find out who that is. And I feel like if the Golden Age is done right, and, and not that there's a wrong way to do it, but there is a wrong way to do it. That if you keep the characters somewhat modern, but you write them in old school style, it really works. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm feeling that right now with the Avengers story that where we're getting Paul Levitz. Yeah. Paul Levitz. It, it, it feels so retro yet so modern. And I think Jeff Johns could do that at DC, and it would be something that I, would be really cool if he writes it well. As long as I don't get 500 characters, I'm not having to look up who is this, who is this, <laughs> you know. I mean, but I think he could do it very well, and it would be something that would hook me. I'm waiting for the Legion stuff I'm reading from from way back to kind of turn that corner a little out more out of the Silver Age, more into the Bronze Age. Yeah, get to where they've got a little bit more of kind of the ongoing aspect of the story, a little less of the hey, hey, can you figure out what, what the mystery of this story was, wink, wink, nudge, kind of storytelling, or the secret identity bit, or, you know, those kinds of stories. And get to, because at that point, I think that would be something that would be accessible. Hopefully most of those are, are easily available and such, because I think that would be a, a really good read for a lot of people, because it's what built up this group. Yeah, it's something that may get someone like me hooked on it, Yeah, reading reading good Legion stories, you know? And, and that that's the hard point part for me right now is point me to the good legion story and uh, other than going back to maybe uh, 1980s uh, there's nothing that's been coming out i I read bendis's stuff and that was not good (laughs) i would even probably go back a little further because grell was doing some stuff in the 70s yeah and grell's a great writer well he's the one i think who uh was one of the creators of dawnstar i think oh and i love dawnstar yeah, I, I I got a crush on her at the end of the <laughs> Justice <laughs> I, you, you scroll through, I'm like, whoa, who is this? My new favorite character. <laughs> no, some of these are just brilliant characters and such. Yeah. She, they, they get glossed over here. They really do. I, 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 I see him, I'm like, oh, I like this character. Just like I saw that the Bad Rock guy, and I was like, I want to read about him, but I'm, you know, where's he going to be? I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll read about him one day. Uh, for, but, uh, for Block, you're almost going to have to go back to the original stuff. Yeah. Now, one thing I was going to ask you, another thing, uh, not that I want to interrupt you and sidetrack you too much, in Justice Society of America, the sixth issue, mm-hmm. which was like the fourth in the story, you get that two-page spread where Superman's kind of holding up the, the lightning wand. Yes. And, and you get like the new characters that he's working with and the old characters. Did you like that? Yeah, I thought that was some cool stuff. I thought that was really cool. They put the Zipatones over there, and I, I, I'm assuming that it, that kind of brought up his memories. That's like his memories from then and there. Yeah, that was definitely a reference to the old story where they brought back Lightning Lad. Okay, really cool. For some reason, I got to that panel and I figured that's one that you would like. And I kind of thought it was kind of cool. And I don't know, it just it stuck out for me. They did some very interesting stuff overall in this. There were a few moments here and there where I thought they got a little lost on. Superman being a little overly nostalgic for the Legion and such. Yeah, I'd agree. And I thought the way the Legion was being treated here at times, their flight rings could do anything. And yeah. originally, they could help them fly. Thus the name Flight Ring. Yeah. And here, it seems like, almost like a Green Lantern, almost unlimited. <laughs> well, they could, somehow they, they do something to help wake them up when they get the word Lightning Lad. Which, yes, it's written in Interlac. But can, like, none of the Justice League or Justice Society pronounce this? Yeah. I'm glad I went to Wikipedia because I didn't know what Interlac was. I was like, why do I keep seeing this squiggly stuff? <laughs> well, they did all the subtitles for the chapters in Interlac. Yeah. And I, of course, got a graphic of here's what the, the characters are and such. So you know, I went through, it's like, oh, I think it means this. Oh, this one's suicide. This one's, you know, 
three worlds. This one is Dream and Fire or something like that. So you translated all of them? Yeah. Oh, that's a lot of work, but very well, cool. It wasn't that much, but it was, you know. Yeah, I got to it. I'm like, uh, <laughs> next page. <laughs> if I really wanted to, to go for it, I would figure out a way to, to get a, a program to basically scan for it and, and translate it. Because they do enough with the uh, Krakoan language over in the X-Men. Same idea. Yeah, you figure with all the nerds out there, somebody's created a little app on your phone where you can hold it and it'll scan it and you read it. <laughs> Actually, I wonder if, because uh, Google's got a, a thing they could do with the phone that can can look stuff up. And oh, yeah, that's right. It, it translates foreign languages like road signs and stuff when you're overseas. Yeah, I'm curious if it could do that. That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> this whole bit with they're trying to resurrect somebody. Okay, interesting. Got it. Got it. But then... Having the flight rings, being able to squelch a Green Lantern's ring's ability to talk, erect forced fields, and do somehow scramble communication at whichever headquarter they're hanging out at, which I think is the Justice Leagues, but I'm yeah. not 100% sure. That was the, the lack of establishing shots for some of this did get a little annoying. Yeah, I had no clue where they were either. They didn't really show you, so up to interpretation. Yeah. Well, and... That was my beef with this story, is there are a lot of things up for interpretation. Yeah. You know, how this whole trigger word things, and there was a comment of, oh, it was it was Brainiac 5's idea. Okay, it might have been his idea, but it would have taken somebody like Saturn Girl or Telus, you know, a telepath, to go implement it, and we later found out it definitely wasn't Saturn Girl who did it. So, there's some backstory here I'd kind of like to get. And, yeah... We don't get that. <laughs> we don't get that here. I don't know if we ever get it. We might get bits and pieces of it either in Superman and the Legion and or Legion of Three Worlds, but I don't know because there's an aspect of one of the things revealed in this story with Starman that seems like it couldn't have happened until Legion of Three Worlds, which is after this. Yeah. So when we get to that point, I'm going to be curious if they kind of pull it full circle or not. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something else. Was it just me, or did you think that JLA and Meltzer got the short end of the stick on the artist? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> that JSA, Jeff Johns, he, Jeff, Jeff got to like pick his artist or something. He, he got hooked up with a good artist, because I was reading, I was like, some of, the, some of the books, the Justice League books, got rough. Not, not bad, but just not nearly as good as the JSA book. Well, Shane Davis, who did JLA 8, or Justice League of America 8, and I- I'm going to refer to it as JLA, but JLA is technically a different title, so live with it. <laughs> Shane Davis's art, I didn't love it. It told the story fine, just didn't care for the style. Yeah. Fernando Passerin for JSA number five did a great job. I agree. Ed Benes did Justice League of America number nine. I thought he did all right. Yeah. Eagle Sham, Daily Eagle Sham for JSA number six. Can't beat that. Terrific. Yeah. Good art. Really good art. And then Justice League of America number 10 had the first returning artist in this arc with Ed Venice, yep. which was all right. It was all right. Yeah, it's not his best work. I've seen him do much better work. But it, yeah, it, it got the job done. Yeah. But I, di- I did think the art was better in JSA, though, for, for I, some I, reason. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So, But overall, I, I feel better about reading this now. And I'm glad that you did the research because when we had the book club, I feel like that's going to be needed because I feel like all of us going into it are going to be like, huh? What? <laughs> I just hope I remember it by then. Ah, uh, fingers crossed. It, it, it's in two days. Fingers crossed. <laughs> well, there were a couple of things here and there. Like, we get a comment on how Starman didn't make the trip from the future back directly. And we get a one panel thing. It's like, oh, so that explains, you know, this story over there. Don't know that we needed that, but okay. Cool. <laughs> Cool, but needless. Exactly, yeah. And there were a couple of of things that were interesting. When we see the Hall of Doom, it's like, okay, that's cool. We see Triplicate Girl. I thought that was interesting, particularly the way all that played out. I thought that was fun. That was clever. That's true. It reminded me of the uh, Cuckoos, the the girls. Cuckoos, yeah. Cuckoos, Cuckoos, yeah. Because just you've seen the multitude of them. I was like, oh, there they are. (laughs) Well, and she's one whose powers change quite a bit between the different iterations. Oh, okay. What was her power? What well, did they do? Originally, she was able to split into three bodies. In uh, one okay. incarnation, and I for, I think it was the Wade Kitson one, she could do basically an unlimited amount. She was essentially the multiple man. Oh, multiple man-like. All right, cool. I mean, her entire planet was her. All right. And the cuckoos are actually telepathic, so they definitely have more power than uh, definitely. a girl. Definitely. Okay. 
All right. I just got that vibe because I saw him. I'm like, okay, well, these girls look the same. It just reminded me of that. It triggered me. Well, and she loses the body, as we see here, from computer killing it, which is what Superman recalls. Wait, I've seen this before because she'd lost a body from computer killing it. And she went from Pilpicate Girl to Duo Damsel. <laughs> and then over in Countdown after this, we've got Karate Kid continuing his adventure, but he's got a buddy with him of Una because it's a triplicate girl with just the single body here in the, the, the past. Yeah, that's kind of funny. It's like, you got to change the name as the body style. <laughs> well, at that point, you don't have any powers. Yeah, I'm triplicate girl. Well, why do you call yourself that? Well, there used to be a power I had. I don't do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that would be the ultimate power to have. Have someone go to work. You know, you work, you work this week. You work next week. <laughs> yeah. You work the week after that. I mean, that'd be awesome. Well, any job's a part-time job because only part of you is there. Exactly. You triple your money or you work very little. Now, I'm not sure if the bit that happens at the end where they realize it's all an illusion, if they should have been able to literally see through it that way or not. Yeah. But it's been long enough since I've seen the power set in use, and I don't recall any story off the top of my mind where Superboy, who would have been there at the time, or Monel if they would have been able to see through it or not. Okay. But what bothered me was the end of Justice Society of America number six ends with Legion up. We're, we're off to go do something. But then when we get back to Justice League of America number 10, it's like we've rewound five minutes and things feel like they happen differently. Yeah, I got that vibe too. It was like, what we're back here. What, why'd we leave off with this almost like a cliffhanger at the end of the issue and then it wasn't addressed there well, it wasn't so much a cliffhanger as okay we've escaped we're gonna go do our thing and JLA JSA is none the wiser and now they've gotta go see through the illusion at once but twice it, yeah it was just kind of like repetitive a little bit <laughs> it felt like the two writers hadn't gotten in sync and since Meltzer's part came afterwards I blame him whether that's fair or not yeah but then what got me is at this point the Legion has scattered to the winds, and they're going to various places, as if these are of special importance. And Dawnstar goes to Tokyo, Timberwolf goes to Central City, Sensor Girl to Smallville, Wildfire to San Francisco, specifically Titan's Tower, Starman to Gotham City, Dream Girl to Keystone City, and Karate Kid, we find out a little ways later, to Blue Valley. And it's like, oh, they're here to save- we know they're here to save somebody, because they did the whole bit, oh, we brought back Lightning Lad this way. And I'm like, who would the Legion care so much about to sacrifice one of their lives for? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> and then why these places? And it's not told to us, so we don't know. I, I just feel like I'm just sitting here. I, I have no clue. Well, we get a little bit when Hal and Batman recognize where they're at, and Hal is at the crime lab that Barry Allen had his origin in. Yes. Batman is in a place in Gotham where he had last seen uh, the Flash in the, the, you know, save me kind of a thing bit from Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yep. So at this point, we're being primed of, oh, Barry Allen's coming back. Yes. That was the thing I, I yeah, so Barry Allen's on the way. Did he appear shortly after this? I don't know about shortly after this. He did appear after this. Okay. The, the whole bit at the end of this had me wondering just how many Return of the Flash storylines have there been? Because there's some, like, okay, Jay returning in the Flash of Two Worlds, I would count that. Uh, Barry returning from the dead or the Speed Force, either for real or for pretend, a couple of times. Wally returning from the dead or the Speed Force, a couple of times. Bart, for that matter, doing it, all of which have been the Flash at one point or another. It's like, okay, a Flash is returning, which one and from when, and, and again... It wasn't that long ago that we just saw Wally replacing, again, like Barry Allen. We just saw him being replaced, since I've been reading. We saw Wally take over as the Prime Flash when Barry went off to go work with Justice Incarnate. Yep. But we'd also seen Wally come back from, from being gone in the Rebirth special. Yep. And we saw Jay Garrick recently. That would have been Doomsday Clock? Yep, I think so. Yeah. So if you add in the whole JSA coming back, too, that adds a few more for, for Jay. Yep. It's like a go-to story and like, come on, guys. They keep coming back. <laughs> but at this point, when I'm thinking, okay, it's Barry, what does he have to do with Tokyo or Smallville or, or San Francisco? 
Yeah, I mean, those I was just I was completely clueless on. I'm like, especially Tokyo. I I don't know. Or there, there might be some DC characters or some origin stories or something important in Tokyo. I just have no clue what it is. The only one I can think of is Doctor Light from Crisis, but nobody else was really there at the time. So, <laughs> and I'm sure there are other things that anchor Flash characters over to these places, but it's not what I would consider iconic. I mean, Smallville and Keystone. Oh yeah, Flash Flash Central. No question about it. Yeah. But when we get to the force rings turning on so the, the, the Legionnaires are protected by these force bubbles, I'm like, that's convenient. But not <laughs> as convenient as Black Canary having a app on her phone to just shut this stuff off because, well, Batman and Mr. Terrific looked at the rings for a few minutes. I'm like, wait yeah. a sec, wait a sec. How I don't care how smart Mr. Terrific is, and he's smart, I'll grant him that, but how does he create an override for tech created by a 12th level intellect from a century in his future. Makes no sense. <laughs> or a thousand years in his future. You know, it's like, I don't... And does it really quickly? And so I, I don't get it. Yeah. There was a lot in here that I was just like... Besides the confusion of the characters, a lot of stuff that just didn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there were a couple of times it really felt like some of the art was almost getting reused. Yeah. Like when they're all holding their lightning rods out. Yeah, yeah. Wildfire and Timberwolf uh, almost felt like it could have been the same. It's the same position, almost the same art. And there was another one where I forget if it was Starman and Red Arrow earlier, where it looked like the same basic thing from one panel to the next, just lifted and retraced or something. Not saying it was, just looked that way. And it might have been, who knows, speed up the process. They might have been behind. Yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully not, but you never know. When we get to the end, and we get that impact and stuff, and we get the one shot of what sure looks like one of the Legionnaires getting electrocuted. Yes. I mean, we see the glowing skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, he survives that? Now, he's yeah. got the, the force bubble going, which I thought, okay, almost makes a Flash logo kind of cool. But how he survives from that, I don't understand. How the Legionnaires just fade away, I don't understand. What wildfire was trying to tell to red tornado i I didn't get that whole arc part of the story at all and then oh they're back i'm like how the hell did this happen and and again where are they back from yeah i i I don't know (laughs) so (laughs) i did some digging oh so you figured it out okay where are they back from well i did some digging i'm not gonna say i figured it out that that i think i might okay (laughs) but there was a mention in infinite crisis number seven okay of wally and his family departing for elsewhere we might have actually seen that at the end of Flash 247 from the 1987 run, maybe. I mean, they weren't dressed this way, but it feels like time has elapsed. But it's like, at that point, Wally was essentially retiring and took his family and, and just went. Okay. So maybe that's that, but I don't know. It sounds plausible. But, you know, this whole bit seems to continue off into... All Flash number one, because while we get a little bit of what's going on with with Wally after this, we get more of that, it seems like, elsewhere, and it seems like something else happened at the same time, which was like critically important, even though we don't find out anything about it here. Because when we get to the fortress, and we've got the Legionnaires leaving through a glowing doorway, it's like, I guess that's how they traveled through time, before... Karate Kid goes in, somebody comes of, hey, Brainy said don't go, we gotta stay here and go do something. He goes off to a, another adventure, which is Countdown. Okay, alright, he goes into Countdown. And I, I did read Countdown, but that was years ago. Yes. I, pick, I picked it up off eBay, just to see what it was about. And Countdown, I think, was, there was 52 and there was Countdown, right? Yes. And one was better than the other, and I can't remember which one was the 52 good one. 52 was way better. Okay, 52 is a good one, because Countdown was, was not very good. <laughs> Countdown was Countdown to Final Crisis. The writers of Countdown didn't really know what Final Crisis was going to be doing. Oh, so God. There's a couple of things that didn't really jive, and it just went all over the place. Okay, I remember one I was really confused on the entire time. <laughs> I could see being confused by both, but 52 more or less pulled things together. Yeah, 52, I think it had a really good Black Adam story in there. Yes. And that that was the the highlight for me. I I love the Black Adam part. It had a good elongated man story in there. They just never really did anything with it afterwards ever. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was decent because there was some stuff that I was like I could attach onto that I like. Yeah. Now we get a bit in the future with Wildfire, Brainiac Five, and Cosmic Boy of we got what we were looking for, but it was 
things didn't play out the way Brainy thought they would, but that wasn't the point of their mission. And it's like, okay, that's a little confusing. So the the whole bit, I think they could have told the end of the story a little bit better. They could have cleared a few things up. I, I would agree, because I got to the end of it, and I was just more... I, I, I was confused through the story, and then I got to the ending, and I felt like there wasn't a lot of payoff there. It seems to be setting up another story. Yeah, that's what I felt like. It, it's like, this was just set up for something else. And is this something else the next part of the book club? It's going to be the part after it, because I think it plays out in Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. I do think we're going to get some stuff in Superman and the Legion, which I thought was a fun story. That kind of plays into some of the comments they made of, you know, we don't want Superman to learn what, what's being done in his name in the future. Okay. All right, cool. Now, this final chapter of the Lightning Saga. Yeah. It's subtitled there at the end. Yeah, okay. The villain is the hero in his own story. The villain is the hero in his own story. How the hell does that apply to this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, do, I, don't know. I, I got to that and I figured that it would mean something and it, it was lost on me. I mean, for me with this, I was going down a lot of rabbit holes of, okay, what's going on with Red Tornado? You know, where was Wally at? What's going on? Who was the Flash when and stuff? A bunch of things like that, you know, what was going on in Supergirl and the Legion and such. Like, who's the villain? I don't know. That, that's where I was. I, mean, I was like, who, who am I supposed to be saying is the villain of this story? And that's what I, I can't figure out. Arguably but, Brainiac 5. Okay, so he's the villain, but yet the hero, maybe, of well, his story. he seems to think he's, you know... A good guy. All I care about is we got who we wanted kind of a thing there at the end, but even that's reading a lot into it. Yeah, exactly. He didn't do anything villainous, and I mean, but yeah. He was in the last, what, two pages of the story, and that's it? Yeah, I mean, like, and so I was just looking at it, okay, I don't see how that applies here. <laughs> yeah, it was weird for me. It was fun stuff. I enjoyed it when it came out, because we were getting an analog to the original Legion. And I say an analog, because these are not the same characters. Yeah. They're very, very close. But some of the backstory is a little different, and a few things like that. And I'd rather just get the original stuff back. But this really underscored for me how much DC has routinely trashed their continuity. Yeah, I, you've mentioned that numerous times, and I know other people. And there's a, I think if you really love continuity, there's like the, DC gives you something you have to work for, and you have to figure this out and know this. It's almost like a puzzle that you're putting together. You know, some people like to throw out a thousand piece puzzle and solve it. And I like it to be easy, you know? And so, like, for well, me, <laughs> I want to solve it. be like equating DC continuity with a Rubik's Cube. Yeah. You got a puzzle, you got to solve it. Well, they've come out with something called the Impossible Cube. The Impossible Cube. <laughs> it's a Rubik's Cube with lenticular stickers. Oh, God. Depending the angle you look at it, it's either solved or unsolved. Oh, God. That's what DC continuity is these days. The impossible cube. Yeah. It's sad for me. Not sad, but a little bit frustrating for me hearing a guy who loves DC, who's read DC since you were a kid, who, you know, of course we're getting older, but you know a, a hell of a lot of stuff. And that you're having to research and try and figure out and go down to make sense of this. I'm like, man, that's, that's not a promising thing. <laughs> Well, and some of this is stuff that it's one thing to have like a crisis or a storyline that just is, is memorable for, for decades. Yeah. And there's other stuff where they're just spinning plates and they got to keep the story moving. So yeah, Red Tornado is human for a few minutes. Who's going to remember that 20 years later? Yeah. <laughs> and then they go back to some of the same wells over and over and over again. And again, just from what we've talked through and, and read just while you've been a, a co-host and stuff. This is not the first time we've seen a Flash come back. It's not even the first time we've seen Wally come back. Yeah, multiple times. So it, they keep going back to that same well. It, and I think it does lose impact over time. Because whoever's not here, I know I'm going to see Barry Allen probably in another five years as being the main Flash. Yeah. And and Wally will be pushed to the background for some reason. I don't know why. And then Jay Garrick will make an appearance again. <laughs> there was a comment Jay makes to Wally if we didn't even have a funeral this time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That's awesome. It happens so much that they joke about it. <laughs> yeah, and th that takes some of the, the power behind the storytelling. It, it definitely deflates it a little bit. 
there's there's no repercussions. <laughs> well, if you're going to go down these roads and bring characters back and stuff, which, hey, sometimes I'm okay with because I want the character back, but it really undercuts the we're going to kill somebody storyline. It really does. Yeah, I mean, there were supposed to be sacred cows in the comic book world, and, and, and some writers have come and even tried to kill some of those, like killing Alfred, and Uncle Ben was never supposed to come back, you know, things like that. But Gwen's supposed to be eternally gone, but now we get the multiverse, you know, stuff happens. Oh, God, we've got so many Gwens. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to see Gwen anymore. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's true. It, does, it, it kind of undermines anything, unless I feel like to take it to a completely absurd level, but at least we're making sense of it, that we basically turn the mutants into gods at this point. And said, "Hey, we got we're, we're deities at this point. We're we're basically like, uh, what what is that character? The, the the gods from? Oh, I can't even think of the name of it. The Eternals? No. The Eternals? Yeah. <laughs> the Eternals were basically the deities that could kind of yeah relive and be recreated forever. We've done that same thing now with the mutants. At least there's an out, you know. And one day they'll they'll break that. I think they'll do that with the fall of X." And then hopefully there'll be repercussions, but they won't last. We both know they won't last. Let's just take this this final issue here and that one shot of Karate Kid with the lightning going straight through him. And again, lighting up his skeleton to where he can see it through his skin. Yeah, you're like, this guy's dead. (laughs) And he is standing around later as if nothing happened. His clothes are a little cinched. A little worse for wear. But he then goes and has an adventure for, for all of Countdown. <laughs> he just has a hole in his shoulder, basically, and a, a few little little nicks out of his shirt, but that's it. Yeah. Just, just com- completely absurd for what we saw. Yeah. So <laughs> there, there's no ramifications. Yeah, none. So th- that's where it's weird, and that's where the never-ending story, when you have characters in perpetuity, you almost you don't want to kill them because... You want to keep them, and they may be popular one day, and I understand that, and that's what created this. And I think that's the one thing that I liked, and I'm think, guessing you liked about the Ultimate Universe when they came out with it. When the characters died, they died. You know, they got rid of Peter, and then you had Miles. But now, you know, then they, they brought Miles into the 616, and Peter's still there because it's the 616. But I liked that we had that little pocket world where if something happened, it really happened. I thought that was a cool exercise, but something like that, it can't live forever, you know? And you can't really market it. You can't make that the main thing. Well, first off, the Ultimate Universe was never going to work for the long term. No, it was not. Because either it was going to succeed and therefore have to supplant the main Marvel Universe, and that would have ramifications, or it was not and it was going to go away. Yep. There was no 30-year-later plan for that. Yeah, you couldn't have it forever. But with, with a regular mainstream Marvel DC Universe stuff, if you play it for the long term, not just I gotta run write something that that's brilliant today, but something that is a moment in these characters' lives that matter, but not to the oh my god, nothing will ever be the same again sort of a thing, but not forgettable either. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you could. Uh, there's an argument to be made that you could take a character like Barry Allen and kill him. Uh, I, not that I want to kill Barry. They've done it a few times. Yeah, and and then you just have Wally. And the only time you saw Barry from henceforth from forever is like flashbacks, you know, he goes back in time or Wally does or stories told from back in the day. So you keep the, the IP alive. It took them about 20, 20 years to bring Barry back. Yeah. Now they do it on the regular, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think I think shelving it and bringing the new character in is okay to do, but you got to be true to it, or otherwise it's not going to matter and, and, and when you get really long-term readers like, like you. But you've got to do it for a reason, not just the shock and awe. Yes. If you bring the new character in, it's got to be a new character. You've got to realize you may alienate fans of the older one. Yep. You can't just go down the same path you'd been going down before. Yep. Because otherwise, what's the point? Very true. And you know what the thing that I find most, well, I, I guess it's kind of funny for me, is like most people who are DC readers, they love Wally, I think, the most. It depends how old they are. Yeah, it depends on the age. It's true. But most TV watchers like Barry, because that's who they know. And if you, you bring in, I mean, they've seen Wally, you know, they, he appeared, but Barry Allen's the Flash because of the well, Flash TV series. But that Wally wasn't this Wally. True. That Wally was the new 52 Wallace West. Yeah, that's true. And now they've got both concurrently, which is just mind-boggling. 
just to confuse everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, what thus people check out and go, what what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, there are aspects of this where the, the continuity just gets confused. It really does. It does get confusing and it gets hard to understand. And I think you can have continuity. You don't have to make it confusing. But because of gimmicks, that's what it's become. Well, it's not just gimmicks. There were a couple of opportunities they had here to explain through dialogue or whatnot. Oh, you know, Red Tornado had been human for a little bit. Here's what happened. Here's why, you know, Cyclone doesn't want to talk to him, or what do I say about this? Uh, you know, what about that? You know, somebody asking, how did Superman end up with two Legion flight rings? Yeah. You know, or where the hell was Wally? <laughs> why Why is he back? Back from what? <laughs> why does Mr. Terrific have this really hell-bent desire to disassemble Red Tornado? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I must say that I'm just happy Red Tornado is not Lois. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that that's a completely different story for current comic readers <laughs> or readers of the earth 2 stuff after after new 52 yeah exactly <laughs> continuity i love it uh, there were some moments in here i really liked yeah. but there were a lot of things that just puzzled me and i was at the end of this wondering why were they trying to bring back any flash much less the one they did oh wait that wasn't the game plan so what's going on and again i'm hoping some of that gets clarified in uh, at least legion of three worlds we might get some insight in uh, Superman and the Legion and the book club. Yeah. And we're going to do back issue spotlights on those too. Yeah. The cool thing is we're recording this, then we're going to have the book club on this book, and then we're going to have the book club on Superman and the Legion. Is that what it is? Superman and the Legion? Yeah. Superman and the Legion. It was a uh, six issue arc in Adventure Comics. There's also an issue right after that of Batman and the Legion, which I thought was kind of cool. So I'm going to go ahead and read that probably myself. Well, I'll tell you what, if you let me know when we get to that book club part, I'll read it too, just for the heck of it. Yeah, it's just the, the issue right after Superman and Legion action. Okay. And then Final Crisis, Legion of Three Worlds, yeah. And those are both two-part book club series, so we break it up into small chunks. So hopefully people, if they read the Lightning Saga after we did this recording, they can join us for the book club on the other two things, the Superman and the Legion and the Legion of Three Worlds. I think it'd be cool to have some a lot more people show up for the book club. And it's possible I'll get this out between the first book club and the second meeting on the Lightning Saga. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a good, a cool group on the the book club. And then I, I'm really happy when we do these types of stories, when we have you there. And actually, it's good to have Sam there, too, because mm -hmm. Sam remembers a lot of the stuff. He read it back in the day. And when we have Dr. Mo, too, Dr. Mo knows a lot of stuff. And so does, um. oh, there's a ton of people. And well, everybody's coming at it from a different perspective. They're either going to have different answers or different questions. Yeah. And actually, uh, Jason Z sometimes shows up. Yeah. And Jason Z is Legion heavy. He he loves the Legion as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So I, I think Jason would love that too. So hopefully he joins the book club. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to discussing this with the book club, see what they caught that I missed, see if they've got some theories, stuff I hadn't thought of, or just if they remember some stuff, the continuity that I've forgotten. Yeah, if it if it's me and Marvin there, you're gonna be you're gonna be teaching us. <laughs> Mar Marvin and I at uh, Brawlator, you're you're gonna be our, our teacher, and we're gonna be your pupils. <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna get far enough in the Legion spotlight to get back to the story. Yeah, but at that point, what'll be in my mind is not gonna be classic Legion that kind of a stuff, but is gonna be the Supergirl and the Legion stuff that would be the then current, and just seeing how that kind of flows into this. And I've I've been trying to make some note of, okay, let's add this issue of, of Countdown and a few things like that, just to kind of get things as, as they're coming out. Very cool. So, when I get past about 2003, I'll be able to go through my, my notes of when I got stuff to have a better sense of, okay, which came out which week and stuff like that, to get a slightly tighter reading order on some of that. Oh, very cool. Very cool. But yeah, I thought this was fun. I think the art could have been better in a few places. It was a classic JLA-JSA crossover, which I enjoyed. There's a lot of continuity going on, a lot of which just isn't explained, and I don't know that this really landed the ending to my satisfaction. I agree with you, everything you said. I, I, I think it was a good read. It, it wasn't bad. It's just, it's confusing if you don't know what, uh, if you're not knowledgeable about DC continuity at all. It's, it can be very confusing. And like you said, the ending, it didn't stick it. But I'm looking forward to the other stuff because I'm excited to get to the Legion of Three Worlds. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I want to read some good Legion stuff. <laughs> Anything else? No, that does it for me. Cool. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. 
Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.